The Luxury Channel Podcast, brought to you by theluxurychannel.com. Welcome to The Luxury Channel, where we uncover the best-kept secrets, obsessions, passions, and places. My name is Jason Basmajan, and in this series, The Luxury Insider, I'll be talking to extraordinary and talented individuals who shape the world of luxury lifestyle in the 21st century. Since opening its grand doors in 1931, the Dorchester Hotel has been the center of London's social scene. The Dorch, as it's affectionately known, has hosted royalty, heads of state, A-list celebrities, and power players from the world over. During the war, General Eisenhower ran the D-Day invasion out of a suite, and Prince Philip celebrated his last night of unmarried freedom by hosting his stag party here. Although steeped in tradition, this iconic hotel has kept pace with the times. Never to rest on its laurels, the Dorchester continues to evolve and maintain an unparalleled level of service and discretion for its loyal guests. In an inspired and bold move, the hotel has recently appointed the youngest chef to ever helm the famed Grill Room Restaurant. Today, we step into the heat of the kitchen to speak with head chef Tom Booten on his exciting new role, what luxury means today, and his definition of a dirty meal. Tom, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. The Dorchester has been known for its cuisine and its fine service worldwide. They're currently undergoing an evolution in the process of of luxury and their perspective on on hospitality. Tom represents a new generation of young English talent coming out to bring his vision on food and cuisine to the Dorchester Hotel. Tom, thanks again for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what got you started on this journey from Essex to Park Lane? Essex to Park Lane. That's a good look. Maybe that'd be autobiography one day in 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> Essex to Park Lane. Uh, so, yeah, so from, from Colchester in Essex. And during school, I uh, was lucky enough to be, when you do work experience over here in year nine, I think it was. So I was 14, 15. Uh, I was lucky enough to be sent to a really quite a famous restaurant back home called The Toll Booth. So it was started by Gerard Milsom, who's a big, uh, no longer with us, sadly, but big in the industry. Now his son, Paul Milsom, runs the company. And the told booth, super famous, used to have a Michelin star back in the day. And I don't know, it was just a perfect training ground. Just fell in love with it. Used to do, did my work experience there. Used to work Friday nights, all day Saturdays, all day Sundays, and then be back in history class on a Monday Wow! at school. Most probably the richest I've ever been as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like Living at home, getting paid £2.50 an hour. And working crazy hours. And working crazy hours. No, but that was good. What was it that, what was the eureka moment or what was the moment when you realized this is what you really wanted to pursue as your career? Were you always interested in food or was this just something that just happened organically through the experience? Yeah, I suppose it was quite organic. Uh, I think my mum would say that she remembers me cooking a brownie when I was 14 or something. But yeah, it was quite organic. And then you just go into that kitchen life and you just fall in love with it. You know, you're with, you're with all of your new friends. A lot of them were older than me as well. So they used to take me out for nights out as well for, to grow me up. And, uh, yeah, you just fall in love with that kind of, I suppose it must be similar to the army in a weird kind of way. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, you're a bunch, you know, you're a 
comrades in a weird kind of in a weird way. It's a, it's an interesting analogy. I mean, it is complete dedication, and it, it's like a culture, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's a life. It's a lifestyle. You know, it, some people have jobs which are just nine to five office jobs, but my life is my lifestyle. Especially the more bigger you get in that life as well, the more you have to always be on show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's were there a t- was there a time when you thought about you'd ever end up at the Dorchester or a hotel like the Dorchester was that your aspiration or did it just was that your path that brought you here no again it would just it just happened it wasn't a path at all uh to be honest I never actually stepped foot in the hotel until the day they asked me to come and meet them so yeah I was very happy where I was before as well so I wasn't really curious looking for a job but yeah, obviously when I got here, I was like, oh wow, this place is special. Yeah, it, certainly. Um, how have you seen the British food scene change? Everyone loves to talk about sustainability and obviously there's been a huge increase in farm to table and local suppliers, which I know is a, is a big um, interest of yours, pr- produce particularly. How have you seen the food ch- scene change in the UK since you've started cooking? Yeah, well, I've been cooking, I think this is my 15th year now cooking professionally. And well, I've been in London, it's been my 11th year in London. And yeah, I think you look at London now and it's it's got to be up there with the top three best cities in the world for food. It really has. I've been lucky enough to travel to some really good countries. But yeah, the food scene here, when I first came, well, back in the day, all the, all the old chefs used to say to me, all the older generation of chefs used to say to me about how there was always, there was only Phil Howard at the Square, Gordon Ramsay, Marco Pierre White, and mm. maybe Nico down on Park Lane, but that was it. So the chefs only worked for them kind of four guys, and you didn't go and, you didn't abandon ship and go for someone else. It was mm. very, mm. it was like your team, it was like, I suppose it's like the Reds against the Blues or something yeah. like that, you know? So now, I think with the power of social media as well, it's really opened up the food culture and we've got some amazing suppliers in the country we've got some of the best shellfish in the in the world from scotland the day boats in cornwall was beautiful and some of the veg and even some of the wines talking not just food mm-hmm. but looking back look at the wine scene what's yeah. happening at the moment in this country yeah. like kent is yeah cool. kent's incredible and essex is up and coming as well and sussex and surrey but I mean, yeah, there's definitely, maybe it's to do with the TV shows and maybe it's to do with more people being chefs. When I first started being a chef, it wasn't really a, I don't think no one else has done it from my school, really. It wasn't really a job to do, where now when I see the more younger generation, they really want to do it. So I guess TV must have something to do with it and making it actually a, a real career. Maybe oh, yeah. it was a bit frowned upon before. I think it's interesting when you talk about, you know, sort of the, the older generation, the chef was a feared sort of king in a castle. And you talk so much about your team and you're very, it seems that you have a very inclusive approach to the way you work um, and a very generous approach in the way you present food. Mm. Uh, what's your what's your process when you think about food? How do you start? What's your process? What inspires you in, in the food that you make? Well, lucky, uh, lucky enough now being head chef, I can I make my own menu. I don't have to go and give it to someone and, and get some feedback. <laughs> but having an amazing team around you is the most important thing you know I'm, I'm i like to think i'm not egotistic at all most of the most of the guys teach me stuff as well and girls teach me stuff every day we've got a really solid team what have been with me for a long time and we're on the path together you know mm. which i think is really nice it makes them feel included yeah. if i didn't if i wasn't like that and i was egotistic and i just didn't didn't praise them ever then i'd be by myself a lot quicker so it's, it's about doing it all together one big one big organic dysfunctional family (laughs) fantastic um so passion energy and drive was something i read that you 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 have in your line or is sort of like your mantra um 
what 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 gets you through the end of the shift? What is it that you really Obviously, you're working in a career that's incredibly draining. The hours are long. The demands, you're managing people, you're creating menus. You still need to stay creative mm. uh, and, and also then interact with clients who are demanding clients and high-profile clients. What, what, what drives you, Tom? I suppose you just got to keep going, you know. Well, what drives me is, is I always say to the guys and girls in my team as well, you, I know it sounds bad, but the only person you work for really is yourself. Do you know what I mean? In all of our lives, all you do is work for yourself and you're trying to make yourself, you want to prove to you something to yourself. No, you want to get, I want to get somewhere in life. That's the kind of mentality I have. It doesn't mean I have to be the, the best chef in the world because I know that's not going to happen. It doesn't mean I have to be the best at anything. But I think when the day comes where I might not be here anymore, I want to look back and think, oh, I was proud about what I did and I achieved something, you know, and made other people proud, your family, your partners or something. I think that's what drives me. It's great. What? Um, how would you like people to see your food? If you could think about it, how would you like people to think of your food and the way you cook? Well, I guess kind of my food style, obviously I'm still quite young as well, but being a head chef for the past five years, I've, I've got into, I've started to realise what I like and what I, I think works, especially after speaking to guests and having feedback and sometimes speaking not to not happy guests. But I guess my style is... Simplicity, I think. I think some, not some chefs, but not anymore actually. But I think food maybe 10 years ago was a bit OTT to a degree. It used to be a lot of foams and powders and oils and jellies, and that's all great. I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad because that is some of the best chefs in the world have made good livings from that and they deserve it. So it's much better than what I could do. But I just really love cooking with beautiful ingredients, prepped really nicely with respect and love. Mm. I mean, if you cook with respect and love, there's nothing else you need. I think it's it's interesting you talk about some of the trends in cuisine as part of the evolution of, of, of the culinary evolution, right? Mm. It's molecular or uh, haute cuisine, nouvelle cuisine. And you've really brought it back to the purity and the nobility of the ingredients and celebrating. It seems really celebrating uh, those things on a plate. Tell me a little bit about, you, you say you love using sort of contrast of texture, contrast of flavors, vinegars, spices, sort of that push and pull on the plate. Yeah. Why, why is that important and exciting for you in, in terms of creating a meal? Well, I guess because it doesn't always have to be lumps of foie gras cooked in 10 kilos of butter, <laughs> and which is delicious, don't get me wrong, I love it, but I think you... Yeah, having a whole meal is very different to having one singular dish. So I think for what we try and do on the menu is the first course, I always say it's quite clean dishes, mm. quite sharp, obviously seasoned with salt as well, but you kind of got the vinegars and the acidity in there to help season the dish and get your taste buds going for the next course, which I like to call the dirty middle course. So it's always normally a, a sweet bread on it because all chefs love sweet breads. And <laughs> I think here I've made a restaurant which industry people love because the amount of chefs, I cook for chefs every single day. I've cooked for some, some of the best chefs in the country and they always say to me, you've just made a restaurant. I'm like, well, I just want to eat in every day. Like It's not too fancy. It's just got the good levelness of yeah. dirtiness. Yeah. I use that word quite a lot in the kitchen. We do like to use it, but dirt, we kind of cook dirty food, but actually cleaned and refined. Yeah. Like at the moment, we've got the, the grilled chips, what we've been doing since day one. They're layers of potato cooked in butter and then deep fried. So you don't want to know how many calories is in one of them. And uh, on the side this week, we just started it, but it's cheese sauce. My favourite my favorite thing is cheesy chips. Not my favourite thing ever, but I love cheesy chips. When it reminds me of being a kid, being on the estate with my mates playing football and having your cheesy chips from the fish and chip shop. So just trying to recreate that, but do it in a really clean, sophisticated way. Do, do you think on that note, people respond to your cooking because you're creating 
flavor, but also connection to emotion where there's a familiarity to the food you're serving in a very elevated way? Yeah, I suppose so. But I wouldn't say I was that extreme about all that nostalgia kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I suppose you would eat them chips and think, oh, he's done cheese sauce to the dirty level, cheese right? fries. Dirty cheese fries <laughs> next level. Where do, you, where do you pull your inspiration from? Are you inspired by uh, other chefs? Are you inspired by art, music, culture, sports? Well, I guess with, yeah, I guess with social media now, we're very lucky now and chefs are very lucky in this day and age because you can, it used to be hard to find out recipes back in the day of all the, the older generation of chefs. It was, very, it was a very secret, secretive trade where now it's a lot more open and we're open arms, you know, like I give all my boys and girls hugs every day if they need it and we have a real good team relationship where maybe that wasn't the case 40, 50 years ago, but I wouldn't know because I wasn't there. But yeah, but the they, everyone inspires me really the team inspired me because they, they're just buzzing with all this creative kind of force yeah. and I never try and knock their creative force because firstly it can make me better because mm-hmm. I'm not saying I know everything because I'm only 29 so I don't know everything or every recipe and they've worked in some amazing places as well so instead of just having my head and being egotistic why don't I try and use all 12 of their heads and then you work together and they, then they feel included you know so that's very inspiring I think that's what makes me most proud about my job as the team. Yeah. But yeah, I do love music as well. I just bought a vinyl player actually, so my vinyl collection's growing up. But yeah, maybe I'll do a dish on a vinyl record. I like. No, that. I won't. <laughs> love, 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 love to see that. Um, what What's always in your fridge? At home. Yeah. Well, normally beer. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, uh, not a lot really. Night I off. never cook. I never cook at home. Don't cook at home. Don't cook at home. Rachel cooks more than me at home or we go out she's a big foodie as well not in the trade but big foodie so uh, yeah we normally eat out to be honest which yeah the last thing I want to do when I go home is cook all these chefs who say they go home and cook all this amazing food and inspired by yeah at home no no I get an Indian takeaway this is going to ask you night on your, on your <laughs> night off is it is it fine dining or is it fish and chips yeah, I do miss fish and chips. You don't really get good fish and chips in London, sadly. So that's the best thing about going back home. But yeah, normally Rachel's well into Indian food as well. So yeah, we normally go to Rajput round the corner and they know us. They just We just ring up now. They don't even ask where we live. They just turn up. Nice. <laughs> um, is there a cuisine or a dish that you'd still, you're still yet to perfect? You still... I get all of it. I don't think I've perfected anything. <laughs> nice. Um, your favourite meal or most memorable meal? Um, if there is one there is one depends really doesn't it it depends who you're with and I've been lucky enough to eat out quite a lot of places and with different people Rachel's from Singapore so we've had some really amazing meals in Singapore last time we were there and then she took me to Japan and we were we in a, a two star restaurant in Japan which was completely it was amazing I wouldn't say it was my favourite meal I've ever had for my personal taste but it was an amazing experience and do you know what I mean I remember that forever but yeah I, I think going to the, going to the local curry house with all my family like I did in Colchester a few weeks ago that's that's very rare for me I never my mum dad nana brother and sister and his daughter and everything so yeah it's, I suppose that's special as well isn't it, it, it it's a luxury to have yeah, that time it's a luxury a luxury to have that time it was nice because it was an old Indian restaurant where my mum and dad actually used to meet each other when they were first dating and they own and still remember them 40 odd years later so it's quite funny so I suppose that's got that's luxury isn't it yeah, absolutely. Um, a trip you're, you've yet to take that you're dying to go to on the bucket list? Uh, don't know, maybe one day I've always wanted to tour India, really, mm. which would be super cool. Do a bit of traveling. I've traveled, but I've always worked when I've been doing it. So 
not that I want to leave the Dorchester, but if it happens one day, maybe I'll take a little sabbatical and do a bit of traveling. Tell us a little bit about the sabbatical you took. You took six months off, you traveled around, you, you did some internships at some different restaurants in New York. Was that a learning process for you and experiencing different cultures? Yeah, so I, I moved to London when I was 18, 18, 19, and worked, worked my ass off pretty much for like four years. And then when you see all your friends, especially at that age, you see all your friends going to university, having a good time. Don't get me wrong, I was still having good nights out in London and stuff, but just couldn't afford it. Uh, not the same as uni students, I suppose. <laughs> but I didn't have to pay it back. Uh, but yeah, just having a real good time. But then I just realised, oh, am I just going to stay in London now? Or you need to, especially as a chef, you want to go and see other cultures, see how other restaurants run. So I was lucky enough that David Moore, the owner of Pied de Terre at the time, I didn't take a holiday for about three years. So David said, David and Andy basically organized, said, okay, go for two months and we'll pay you. So choose wherever you want to go. And I was reading a really cool book called North mm. by a chef called Guna, who I really know well now. So yeah, I flew out to Iceland and lived there for two months and just worked in this. And it was mad because London's so hustle bustle. I know you, you lived in New York now, that's even worse than London. But when I went to Iceland, it's just dinner shifts. It's just a different world, you know. They just have a, just such a, I think English people could learn quite a lot from them about how the way to live a life in a weird kind of way. Um, strangest re- request you've had as a chef to cook uh, or most challenging dish? Uh, don't know, really. Uh, most challenging dish. Or something I did. A, I did a ski season when I was 18. I lived in Val d'Isere and the family wanted a roast dinner on a Sunday, but because you're so high up, it's 3,700 metres above seawater. There's no oxygen in the air. So the Yorkshire puddings were pretty much pancakes <laughs> and it was driving me mad and I couldn't do it. So yeah, me and me and Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're working in one of the most iconic hotels in the world um, in the footsteps of giants and you're creating and carving out your own chapter and niche. How do you balance the heritage or the pressure of the heritage uh, of the Dorchester and the grill room with your own vision about where you want to take the food? Well, I think we're, we're very good here, like with the hotel management and the, with the hotel management, I have a great relationship with them and, yeah, we're, we've definitely got a good relationship to work together well so that I think there's more years to keep going and keep improving and stuff. That's great. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. We're certainly excited to try your version of a fish and chips on a, on a vinyl <laughs> record. <laughs> but um, I think you're off to great a great start and the Dorchester's lucky to have such young, vibrant talent. Thank you for taking time. Thank with you us very much. No worries. Luxury Channel. Thank you. The Luxury Channel Podcast, brought to you by theluxurychannel.com.